Good morning, Evergreen Online. I hope you had a wonderful Easter and that you were able to join some of our Holy Week services last week. Today we start a brand new sermon series called Earthlings, where we'll be exploring the sacred connection between people and the earth. And for the next four weeks, we'll be taking the gospel narrative of creation, fall, redemption, and restoration, and looking at it through an environmental lens to see how the gospel interacts with both people and the earth itself. Now I'm excited because while I'll be starting off this sermon series today, for the rest of the series, we've asked some friends to come and share from our virtual pulpit and ask, and they'll be talking about how God has led them to understand their connection to the ground. I think that as we gain a better understanding of our relationship to the earth, it will lead to a more robust faith, a hunger for ecological justice, and a vision for God's beauty in the world. Now, whether you're one of those people who end up killing every seed that you plant, or if your blood happens to run green, this is gonna be a fun and meaningful series for everyone as we rediscover our sacred calling to be earthlings. Now, I was very close to my maternal grandfather who, whose house we actually live in right now. And so I actually grew up watching and uh, witnessing him use and utilize this garden back of me as a kid. I remember him planting string, string beans, Japanese cucumbers, tomatoes, eggplants, and a whole lot of other vegetables. And after all that, you'd think that some of that green thumb would have rubbed off onto me. But my garden isn't something to brag about. Actually, it's kind of embarrassing. I feel like by, ex by showing people, I'm exposing my, uh, my deepest sins. And I just found it hard to tend to plants. And like some of you, I end up killing a lot of what I try to grow. I mean, even my succulents were dying. But then the pandemic hit, and all of a sudden, we were all stuck at home. And I found myself wandering into my garden, my neglected garden, and decided that I should really give it another go, a, a real hard try. Especially at the beginning of the pandemic, I figured, well, I wasn't going anywhere. And because I really didn't know how severe the pandemic was going to turn out, I thought, well, maybe I better try and grow some food just in case, because you never know. Well, long story short, my one string bean that popped out wasn't even big enough to cook. And so hefty food production wasn't really a reality here at the Ashimoto farm. But what did happen was that I started to learn more about the ground. And it gave me a deeper appreciation about how this whole world was put together, how God ordained it and created it, and, and what our intended role within it was supposed to be. Now, as you work in a garden, you, you start to learn about life and, and death and, and rebirth, and you learn about patience and work. You learn about food and what it takes to produce it. And there's a sense that the more you actually work with the earth, the more human you feel. Now, my favorite professor back in seminary was a guy named Ray Anderson. And he used to tell us a story about growing up on a farm in South Dakota. And he says that one day as he was coming of age, Ray and his father were sitting behind the plow on their farm in, in front of this freshly, uh, freshly turned soil. And his father said, stick your hand in the soil, Ray. And so Ray sticks his hand and plunges his hand down in the dirt. His father says, this soil is your life. Take care of it and it will take care of you. 
Now what Ray's father was doing was teaching him about the relationship that a farmer has with the soil. Their livelihood and their destiny is bound into the ground. Ray's father was also connecting to an ancient spiritual concept found in the second creation narrative of the book of Genesis. Now in Genesis chapter 2, the creation narrative mentions the formation of the first human being. The text says, The Lord God formed a human from the dust of the ground. Now obviously, dust is not referring to the dead skin cells that have accumulated under your couch. This is referring to the soil on the ground, what the Hebrew calls the Adama, which God forms and then breathes life into. This first creature is called in the Hebrew scriptures, the Adam. Now, the Adam is an interesting word. It, it has been used to refer to a male person or to a general human being or used as a proper name, as in the name Adam where we get the connection to Adam and Eve. But the word is also used simply to describe a creature that's made from the earth. And so I guess another way to say this is to call the human creature an earthling because of the material that it's made from. And in addition, we find that the Adama or the earth and the earthling are also related to another word that describes a brownish red color. Now that color can be seen in the skin tone of people in the region and the color of the sandy clay called terra rosa. That covers the, uh, the terra rosa covers the hill country where the Israelites come from. Now before there was any concept of skin cells and pigment, you could just imagine how there was a deep understanding from Genesis that people were connected to the land they lived on and you can actually see it between the similarities of the, the skin tone of the people and the color of the earth that they tilled. In a sense, we're dirty. We're made from the dirt that we stand on and after we die, we go back into the ground, kind of like a great circle of life. Now, I know many of us have different complexions other than terra rosa, and so I don't want you to get stuck on the color. And what's critical is that we understand the Bible's teaching about our roots in the dirt. There is this divinely created connection to it. Now, in verse 15, the text says that the Lord God took the human and put it in the garden to work it and take care of it. Now this is an interesting section of the text because it reveals the type of connection that this first, first earthling was to have with the ground. God puts the earthling in the garden to work it and take care of it. But what does it actually mean to work the ground? Well, Ellen F. Davis from Duke Divinity School suggests that we can translate uh, this, this whole phrase as working for the ground. Now, this human was to care for the soil, serving the soil's needs. The text seems to elevate the earth to this position of really high respect. And so there's a reverence and an awe to it, not as something that we worship, but as something that is sacred and good because it was made by God. And there's this kind of three-way relationship that's being established here in the scriptures between the earth between the earthling and between God. A covenant between all three members. 
And as the human is faithful to God, and as the human is faithful and good to the earth, the earth then is good to the human. This is God's intended economy and was revolutionary in the ancient Near East. You see, while some gods held that humans were created to provide food for the, for, for the gods themselves through agriculture and through sacrifice, Genesis claims the opposite. Genesis claims that Yahweh was good and generous and provided food for every living thing on the earth. And so the earth produces food and beauty and blessing for us if we care for it. So Ray Anderson's father, what he was teaching him on that farm in South Dakota, take care of the soil and it will take care of you, it's found right here in Genesis. Last week, I had an amazing conversation with a woman who uh, went to Fuller Seminary and uh, was a master gardener. She now teaches gardening and theology together. Now, I didn't, even know, I didn't even know what a master gardener was. I actually had to look it up. Well, it turns out it's pretty self-explanatory and it's what you might expect. They're master gardeners. They're people who are trained in the science and art of gardening. And many master gardeners will take the skills that they've learned and the artistry that's theirs into the local communities to help them out. So this woman uh, that I was talking to, this master gardener named PJ, she was telling me that much of the spiritual foundation that humans have is this connection with the earth that we stand on and that God created the earth to take care of us, to teach us about faith and about humanity and about life and death and God himself. And I got so excited when I was talking to her because I told her, I was like, this is what our sermon series is about. And then she says this really beautifully profound statement about the relationship between earth and earthling. She said, Jason, I don't think we were created to lord over the earth. I think we were created to dance with it. What a wonderful description of this relationship. And she was telling me how God provides everything we need from the earth. And even as a master gardener, she's still learning and discovering this and learning how to dance with the soil. And 10 years ago, I took a personal pilgrimage to visit my family in Japan. And I had never been there before, I never visited them before. Uh, I'm a fourth generation Japanese American, so it's my great grandparents who were the immigrants in my family. So this is my first time going to the prefecture where the Ashimoto family comes from. And uh, it's this beautiful seaside place in a town in a um, place called Totori. So I get in touch with my cousin there. His name's Atsushi and he lives there on the old family property. Atsushi picks me up from the airport and he takes me all around to sightsee and eat amazing food. And I'm having such a meaningful time being there, connecting with him and his wife and his family. <clears throat> and as evening came, he drove me back to his house. And I'm kind of excited because it's the property that I assume has been in our family for generations. And as I step out of the car, Atsushi tells me to wait. He has one more thing to show me before I go into the house. I'll never forget these words. He says, I want to show you your roots. And he leads me across the street. And he asks me, can you read the kanji, the, the Chinese characters for your last name? And I tell him, yeah, I can, I can read it. And he's, he then shows me 
to this little cemetery tucked in the back of some houses. And in front of me <clears throat> is an area of about four large grave sites. And I can make out the Ashimoto characters on two of these old stones. And as I stand there speechless, staring in awe at these old tombstones, I suddenly feel this enormous, enormous urge to, to break down in, in tears because I'm just getting so emotional. You see, I traveled all the way back to the land of my ancestors, searching for a lost part of my identity that could only be found in this soil that I was standing on. Atsushi and his wife, at that point, they led me through a little ceremony to pay respect to my ancestors, and they told me about each one that was buried there. This was tremendously meaningful to me. I had this strong sense, too, that, that God was standing there with me, that He had led me there, and had given me the gift of connecting with my past. Now, even though I was many generations removed from the people in that cemetery, I realized my story was connected to them. It was connected to the land that they were buried in. And I felt like I discovered, I actually discovered more of who I was. And I had a better understanding of who I was supposed to be because this was my personal origin story. You see, this sermon series is really about all of us discovering our theological roots. And it doesn't matter if you're into gardening or recycling or for some reason, you just don't like the, the outdoors because this is about all of us and this holy and ancient connection that we have with the ground. And so my hope and prayer that through this journey, God gifts all of you with a better understanding of who we are and who we're supposed to be as earthlings. <laughs>